Well, we've been talking about the family of God, and uh, we've mentioned many times that in, the, in a good family, each person in the family has like a role in the family, a, a place. Everyone belongs, and each one of us belongs in a kind of particular way in our family. Uh, I have two brothers and two sisters. Each one of us has a place that's not like the others. And uh, some of that has to do with our age, and some of it has to do with just our personalities or character. And, uh, you know, each person has a, has a role to play. And good families allow people the freedom to be, to have that role, to be that person that they are, and to be the person that they are in the world and still have a place in the family. Well, this is true of all good families. It's especially true in the family of God. Each Christian, each member of the body of Christ has a particular place in the body of Christ. The scripture says in this text we're going to look at this morning that God has placed each one into the body according to his own desires. So uh, we know that if we are here today, we are not here by some kind of accident. We're not here by our choice alone. Now, you decided to come to church this morning, obviously. Here you are. You had to, you know, get out of bed, put on your clothes, and come over here. You had to make some decisions. But we know that those decisions have taken place in the context of God's sovereign plan, God's ruling over all things. And God has put each of us into the body according to his own desire. And so each of us has a God-given place. So, we are called upon, of course, to welcome one another. I, I, I can't question why God brought you here today, except maybe to wonder about what it is God has in mind for you here today. But God has something in mind for each of us. Each one of us brings something to church that the rest of us need. Each of us is a gift from God to the rest of us. And that's true of every Christian. Uh, so uh, we're going to look at part of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. And my goal is at least to start. I realized this morning as I was looking over my plan that there's a lot of things on my list of things to say. And so we might have to stop and pick it up again next time, but uh, we'll see how far we get. <clears throat> but my goal in this is to help you understand your place, or to give you some clues about how you would go about describing your place, knowing how you belong. Because that could be very useful, it seems to me, to know, well, I have this role or that role or this place or that place or this task or that task or blah, blah, blah. There's a, many different elements to this, and we're going to talk about some of those things. All of this is based on the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I just want to uh, read some of this for you. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. And if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to 
that text and read along with me. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the, to, to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to, know, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills, that is, the Spirit wills. For even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, it is not, for this reason, any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now, God has placed the members. That's a very important statement. God has placed the members. Apparently, the members of the body of Christ are not self-placing. They are God-placed. God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Now, we could go on. This is a, the chapter goes on from there, but I'm going to stop because this morning our focus is going to be at the beginning of the chapter with the with a, some emphasis on that idea that God has placed each one. And the question then is, what's my place? What's my place? And this text gives us three factors, and they're right at the beginning of the chapter, in verse 4, where there's three things, three varieties and the scripture says there's a diversity of this, but one of this. And the 
two categories are related. So here they are. It's back again in verse 4. There are a variety of gifts. One spirit. There are a variety of ministries. One Lord. There are a variety of effects, results, workings. But one God who works all the works in every person. So, there's three things. There's three uh, variables, gifts, ministries, results. And I believe any Christian could describe, or any Christian's part in the body of Christ could be described in those three variables, gifts, ministries, results. And I phrase this in a particular way. Uh, you could describe your part in three terms. The first term is who, who you are. What's your collection of attributes, gifts? The second term is what you do. The word ministry here, ministry, you know, sounds real churchy, doesn't it? If I say ministry, or it might sound, depending on what part of the world you're from, it might sound governmental, like the ministry of finance. But a ministry is just a service. The word here is diakonia. It's the same word upon which we, from which we get the word deacon, and it just means servant. In fact, its original meaning was the person who waits tables. So if you go to a restaurant and someone comes and takes your order, they are a deacon in the Greek language. And it's a very simple word with that very simple meaning. It just means service. That's all. If you, uh, in, in, at least in American English, if you wanted to buy gas for your car, you would go to a deaconing station. A service station. A place where you get service. And the, what I'm trying to emphasize is this is not a religious word. It's a simple word that really should just be translated service. So there is a variety of services. And each person has various services that they perform in and from the body of Christ. That's the second variable. So the first variable is about what is the content of you as a person. And the second variable is what do you do? Well, those are probably related, at least somewhat, but they don't have to be related, do they? Like uh, someone who's not funny can tell a joke. And that joke, even though they are not a funny person, might be funny. That could happen. Someone who's not an evangelist in their gifting can share the gospel, right? I mean, any Christian can share the gospel. 
Anyone who knows anything can tell it to someone else. They might not tell it especially well. They might do a horrible job, and yet someone might hear it and trust in Christ and be saved. So there's, there's some relationship between who you are and what you do, but there's not a necessary relationship. And sometimes we are called upon to do things we're not necessarily gifted to do. That happens. And then the third variable is, what does God do with what you do or who you are? You see, there's a variety of gifts, one spirit. There's a variety of ministries, one Lord. There's a variety of results, but one God who works them all in all of us. So here's something very cool about life in the church. If I simply serve, God will do something with it. Something I might not even see. Now, I'm really lucky. I get to stand up here and preach every Sunday. And uh, sometimes I see the effects of that. And sometimes, well, really, I think most of the time I don't. But I trust that God is doing something with what I'm doing and who I am. And what I'm doing is done the way someone like me does it. I'm not like every other preacher. No preacher is like every other preacher. But So God takes who I am and what I do and God does something. Right here this morning, as you listen to me, some of you are going to change your mind about something according to the direction of the Spirit of God. I don't do that. I simply tell you what I think the scripture says. And God does something. Well, that is true no matter what you're doing in service in the body of Christ. Someone put all these chairs out in here. And we don't typically think of that as spiritual. But this is the body of Christ. So when someone puts the chairs out here and people come in here and they sit down and listen to the word of God spoken and sing praise to God and gather and pray according to the spirit of God, God is doing something. Now, we don't have necessarily the eyes to see all that God is doing. He's doing a bunch of different things we will not know about, maybe ever, but he's doing it. And my part in the body is all three of these things. I have a certain character of person, a certain set of gifts, a certain who I am. I do things in service in the body or in service from the body, if we're talking about reaching out into the community. And God does what God does. You know, when you go into the world and you share Christ with someone, 
they might believe, right? Well, who does that? We could say, well, I did that because I shared the gospel and that gave them the opportunity to believe. I led someone to Christ, we would say. Or we might say they did it because they made a decision to trust in Christ as their Savior. And we wouldn't be wrong if we said that. But here's something that's true. No one ever believes unless God acts in that person. It is God who works all in all. And right here in this text, it says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So I have a part. I go out and I tell someone about Christ and, oh, I know what I should do, pray. Because if God doesn't act, then God, you know, it's God who does it. So there's, some, there's a person that I am, there's a thing that I do, and then God does what God does. All three of those things are involved in my place. So I want to just take these things one at a time and sort of break it down and you know, see how far we get. The first thing is who you are. And we're talking about knowing your place in the family. Who are you in this family? And that's true of the body of Christ widely, you know, the worldwide body of Christ, you have a place. But it's more noticeable and specific in a place, in a local church like this, where we're actively engaged. So who, who are you? And really, there's... there's it's not really separate questions, but when we think about who are you, we also need to ask the question, who are you in Christ by the Spirit? Because this text and other texts tell us that when we come to Christ, we uh, receive the Spirit and the Spirit brings gifts. Little particular graces, the word for gift in this text there's a variety of gifts. The word is charisma. And you might not know this, but the beginning of that word, charis, charis, is the word grace. A grace means gift. Something received. Something given freely, without expectation, without condition. We are saved by charis, through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. By charis, you have been saved. And a charisma is a particularity of grace for a particular person. So we see here there's a variety of charismas. And he names some of them that have been given in the history of the church. And apparently anyone who comes to Christ, the Spirit gifts them in some way or another. And, this, and not all the same. Which is part of the point of this text, right? Some have this gift, some have that gift. 
Some have this gift, another one has that gift. And each one has whatever gifts the Spirit determined. You see, gifts are not self-determined. Of course they're not. How would a gift be self-determined? If someone gives me something, who determined what they would give? Well, I don't. I receive the gift. The person who gives it determines what gift to give, and that is true of the spiritual gifts. And these gifts, we are told here, are for the benefit of the common, of the body. So I did not receive the gift in order for me to have it. That's very important. In fact, the thing Paul's dealing with here in 1 Corinthians is a church full of people who thought the point of the gifts was for them to show off how gifted they were. There was like a gifting competition in this church, and that's really what this text is aimed at. He's, he's saying, look, you don't have a gift so that you can enjoy being gifted. You have a gift for the building up of the body, for the expression of that gift in the life of the church. For the, the, A gift is a particular grace given to you for the expression of the grace of God, of the love of Christ within the fellowship of the body of Christ. So who are you in Christ by the Spirit? Well, I just want to say a few things. First of all, you're handmade by God. Now this is true of every human being inside or outside the church. Every human being is handmade by God in his likeness, bearing his image. You are an image bearer of God. You have built into you by the creative work of God the capacity to reflect the character of God. And that is, in fact, what we are made to do. Then we have gifts. According to this text, there's a variety of gifts. Now, I would would expand the category. It doesn't just include the spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given to me when I'm born again by the Spirit. How is a person born again? By the Spirit, according to John chapter 3. And we are described here as being baptized into the body, immersed into the body of Christ by the ministry of the Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit does this. And at the same time, gives gifts. Some particular grace, some particular way for you to express the love of Christ that is yours but he didn't give it to you for your sake. And that is one of the reasons I can say with absolute confidence that when you came into this church, you brought something the rest of us need. And it's not just your spiritual gifts, but all your other gifts. The the scripture says every good and perfect gift is from above and proceeds down from the Father. So if you're talented in uh, bookkeeping, there's something super spiritual. Bookkeeping. If you're talented in bookkeeping, it is possible for that element of who you are to be employed in service in the body of Christ. I know because I'm talented in bookkeeping and so I do it. 
What if you're just a naturally gifted teacher? Now there's a spiritual gift of teaching. But some people are just good teachers whether they're born again or not. I assume if someone's a good teacher and they come into the body of Christ that the Lord might employ their natural gift of teaching. I don't really need to make much distinction. Although I think there are some people who, before they were born again, they couldn't teach anyone anything. And then after they're born again, the Spirit has given them a new grace, a special grace particular to them that enables them to teach or to encourage or any number of services. There's a spiritual gift. There's, there's actually a, a gift named in the Scripture, the gift of hands. That's the name of it. The gift of hands. It's the gift of helping out. <laughs> As we would say in English, of giving a hand. Very simple. And we wouldn't think of it as necessarily very spiritual. It's just the gift of helping out. It's the gift of someone who's given this particular grace who can who looks around and sees something needs to be done and just hops in and does it. They can't help themselves. If they're engaged in the body of Christ and they have this gift, they help out. There's gifts, natural and spiritual, that's part of who you are. So just take a moment and think, what are your gifts? Natural and spiritual, it doesn't matter. What are you? your special things. What do you enjoy doing? Or what are you good at? And how would that be employed in service in the body? You might recall, I said a few weeks ago, uh, serving in the body is not a job. That's important. It's not a job. We think of it as jobs. We think of the church as an organization and, ser and ministries as jobs within an organization. No, this is a family. This is a family, not a company. That's very important. And so our service to one another is not always a job. If you came through the door this morning and you smiled at somebody and shook their hand, you were serving in the body of Christ. That's not a job. It's a service. Each of us has a, a gifts. Each of us has roles and relationships. Some people here are fathers, like in natural families. Some people are mothers. Some people are brothers. Some people are sisters. Some of us here are businessmen. Some of us here are uh, employees. Some of us here are uh, good at music. We all have different roles and relationships that are part of who we are as a person. We all have different experience in education. Some of us have been trained in skills using our hands. Some of us have been trained in skills using our minds. Some of us have been trained in skills that involve both those things together. Some of us are mechanics. Some of us are 
uh, teachers, social workers, we all have different experiences and education. And the question is, how would that sort of person be especially able to serve in the body? You see, we're not alike. What I do, I study. How many of you want to study as your service in the body? Be careful now, because if you raise your hand, I'll notice. We all have different experience in education. You don't, want, you don't really want me trying to fix stuff around here. Because I might really fix it. We all have different interests and different temperaments. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are really good at socializing with everyone we see. Someone new comes in the door, we like run over and shake their hand. Some of us, we come into a room and we look around to see who we already know here. And we're going to go hide with them and let the extroverts do their thing. Now you might think, I've heard, actually heard some, a pastor say, it's not good for an introvert to be a pastor. But you have an introvert as a pastor. I don't know why God did that to you, but that's, he's the one to blame. I'm not that great at meeting new people, socializing. I can sort of make myself do it, but somebody has to make me do it. But we're not all the same. We need introverts, and we need extroverts, and we need different temperaments of people. Now, here's something that's true about all of us, about who we are if we are born-again Christians. Each of us is a person in the spirit and a person in the flesh. <laughs> Martin Luther said it like this, simul justus et peccator. That's Latin. See how I show off my intellectual... <laughs> I never took a Latin class. I read that phrase and uh, read what it meant, so that's how I know. Simul justus et peccator means, at the same time, simul, simultaneously. Justus, justice, righteous, saint. Et and peccator, sinner. And Martin Luther was famous for preaching this. A believer in this day and age, our, all of us participating in the church today, is at the same time righteous and sinner. Each of us is a, have, has had the very righteousness of Jesus Christ credited to us on the basis of our faith. And at the same time, just as sinner as ever we were sinner. In the flesh, this is how Galatians, Paul puts it in the book of Galatians. We are in the flesh, and we are in the spirit, and there's a war going on in us. This is true about everyone here who's a Christian. There's this war going on. Paul describes the war in Romans chapter 7, you know that one, right? 
I, I know this is what I should do, what I, and I really want to do it, but I can't make myself do the right thing. And I know I should not do that, and I don't want to do that. I agree with the law of God, and yet I can't help myself. I keep on doing it. There's a battle. And Paul says there's a, a, a yielding. This is how he describes how to wage this warfare in Galatians chapter 5. You yield yourself to the Spirit, or you yield yourself to the flesh. In Romans 6, he talks about offering yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness, and not offering yourself to sin as an instrument of sin. We're in that together, everyone. You cannot look across this room at anyone that is not in that. So how about a little more sympathy? Grace. You see, I overcome my sinner self by experiencing grace, not by experiencing law. This is what Paul says in Romans 7, if I hear the law, you know what the flesh does. You know what the flesh does when it hears the law of God? It says, I'll do that, and then fails to do that every time. The, the Christian says, I hear the, the law of God, and I say, well, I can handle that. I'll manage that. I'll do that. That's the flesh. And it can't, and it doesn't. Every one of us has this problem. And we are here together to share the grace of God, not the demands of the law. Here's how I preach the law to you, which I'm supposed to do. It's in the Bible, right? It's the, it is the law. Good is good and bad is bad. Righteous is righteous and sin is sin. And if I call sin righteous, I am doing you wrong. But if I preach righteousness and sin, if I preach the law of God to you, here's why. There can be two good reasons. One, so that you will need Jesus. That's really the main reason. So that you will find yourself in Romans chapter 7, having a fight with your sinner And you know what's at the end of Romans 7? Who can save me? Oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, yeah, Jesus. And you know what's the very first thing Romans 8 says? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So I don't care how bad a sinner you are, if you are in Christ, you are not condemned. Oh, so I should not condemn you. I might preach the law to you so that you can see that you need Christ. That's the real reason for preaching the law. But the other reason is this. There's the Spirit-filled me also. The Spirit-filled me can obey. 
So the other reason I preach the law to you is so that relying on God's grace, you can move forward in the love of Christ. And you can not only have the love of Christ, you can share it with someone else, you can obey the law. The law which is, as Paul says, summed up in the one word, love. So we move forward in obedience from grace. This is the important thing about grace. If I try to obey, I will fail. If the Spirit obeys in me, the Spirit will succeed. Okay? Now, I thought we were talking about what's our place in the body. But you see, our place in the body is grounded in all this theology. You are a person handmade by God. He created you like you, you, not me. And the rest of us need that person. So you belong here. Even if you are just here for one week, God placed each of us in the body just as he desired. Thanks for coming. Because whatever, however long you're here, God is giving us something by your presence. You, are, you have a certain collection of gifts, natural and spiritual. You have a certain collection of roles and relationships in this life, a certain experience and a certain education. You have certain things you're interested in and other things you're not interested in. You have a temperament. You're, you might be an extrovert or an introvert, or you might be a thinker or a, or a doer. We're not all alike, thank God. Oh my goodness, what if we were all the same? What if you looked like me? Ah! Ugh, that just gives me the creeps. <laughs> and we are all in the spirit and in the flesh until Jesus comes. We're all in the same battle and we're in it together. I think, that being the case, we should not be battling each other, but banding together. Like Paul says in Ephesians, bearing one another's burdens. In Galatians, he says that too. <clears throat> you see, when you come to Christ, you obtain the opportunity to take completely new outlook on everyone else. In the flesh or in the spirit? In the flesh or in the spirit? We can, we can read about this in 2 Corinthians, and I'm just going to turn there briefly. In 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live 
might no longer live for themselves. That's the flesh. The flesh is me in my divorce from God. It's when Adam and Eve said, we'll, be, we'll go on our own. Me, for my sake. I'll be my own God. And when Jesus died for our sins, he made it possible to overcome that problem. I no longer have to live for myself in Christ. But he says, he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for, and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, because that's true, because I am in Christ, and because I no longer have to live stupidly. Sin is insane, everyone. To go apart from God is suicide. And now I've been reconciled to God in Christ, so I, know I don't have to behave in that mode any longer. It's still constantly with me. So, he says, therefore, since it's true that I've been reconciled to God, that I have the love of Christ, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Now, what does he mean by that? He means when I look at you, I don't look at you in the flesh, as flesh me, as sinner me. I look at you through redeemed eyes. Through the very eyes of Christ himself. I have a different point of view on you. So this isn't about whether you're in the flesh, it's about whether I am. So from now on, I don't look at anyone with the flesh eyes. That's what Paul says. Instead, he says, even though we used to know Christ that way, but not anymore. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. I have the opportunity to, to look at you, to see you, to recognize you with the eyes of Christ. And what sort of eyes are those? the eyes of one who dies for the benefit of the other. To love. To love. You see, in the flesh, our love is fake. Our love is not the real thing. Our love is always, well, I'll love you because it comes back to me. And so we know we need the intimacy of loving relationships, but we can't pull it off. In Christ, we can. In Christ, I don't see you as an opportunity for me. I see you as an opportunity for Christ. I see you as a person to serve, to express the love of Christ in the particular graces that he's bestowed on me. It's a whole different, whole different thing. It's, it's completely upside down from our 
usual human ways. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we have in the body here, in this new family, I can look at everyone here as a brother and a sister, to love with the love of Christ that I have from Christ, to serve in the particular way he's given me to serve. It's a fantastic opportunity. Now, we've covered the first aspect of finding your place, who you are. I hope that you cling to the love of Christ as your basic identity. That you engage in the battle against the flesh, not by your own determination. You see, when I engage the battle against the flesh in my own determination, I'm using the flesh to battle the flesh. In that battle, the flesh wins either way. If I'm not walking in dependence upon the love and grace of God in Christ and by the Spirit, then I'm battling the flesh and the flesh is winning. Because I'm doing it. I'm doing it. If the Spirit... If I yield myself to the Spirit as an instrument of the love of Christ toward others, then the flesh is just ignored and loses. You see how that works? I hope that you will cling to who you are in Christ by the Spirit. Here's something. We should pray, pray, pray for one another and for ourselves, that this would be the case. That we would walk by faith and not in our own strength. That we would walk by faith and not in our own strength. That we would not be self-reliant people. We would be Christ-reliant people. We would study and know and dwell on the ridiculous love of Christ demonstrated on the cross, poured out into our hearts by the very Spirit of God himself, that we would live there first before we do anything. That's what we're going to talk about next time. But what do you do? Now, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, and I've gone on way too long today, but where do you start? We'll come back to this again and again. But I wanted to give you something about where we're headed here. Where do you start? Uh, and the answer to that question is anywhere. Anywhere. You don't need an assignment to serve, to love. Much of what we do in the service together in the body of Christ is not a job. It's simple 
It's smiling. It's shaking someone's hand. It's saying hello. It's sending someone a card. I had this, this is in next week's lesson. I'm just going to give you a bit of a preview. I have an item on my list here that says checklists and homemade birthday cards. See, in my family growing up, we had checklists because my father was a military pilot, so he was like in love with checklists. So we had checklists for everything. We got prizes if we did all the chores and checked our lists. We had jobs in the family. There are jobs in the family. Someone has to wash the dishes. But also, you have homemade birthday cards. You know, if I'm going to give you a birthday card, I don't have to make it myself. But if I do, it has even more communication in it. Service in the church is in all those categories. It's not just the jobs. It's not just the checklists. It's also the homemade birthday cards. So uh, just do... Engage, this is the, the, the closing line here, engage in the fellowship of the body of Christ in whatever way makes you happy. Don't do anything you don't enjoy doing. That's not necessary. But whatever you enjoy doing, do it here. I met this guy, well, I met him many, many years ago, but while I was in Seattle, I was visiting there. I, talked to the, I had a visit with this guy. You know what he does in his church? He, he's a retired guy. He used to be a, what we call an agricultural extension agent. He has a PhD in agriculture science. So he would advise farmers about how to get the best yield out of their farms. That was his job. You know what he does now that he's retired? He runs a community garden in his church where they grow vegetables to give to people and they grow flowers to take to people who are in nursing homes and shut in in various ways, visit them, tell them the gospel. They provide food for poor people in their community and for each other. Well, that's not very spiritual. Yes, it is. I just want you to hear anything, anything, anything. doesn't matter. You don't need to wait around for somebody to give you some sort of special role in the church. Just engage in the fellowship. Enjoy the love of Christ together. I better stop. Father, we thank you for this amazing love that you have poured out on us. We thank you for the Spirit who uh, pours this love out in our hearts. Lord, help us, make us people yielded to the Spirit who share this love with each other so that it would shine the gospel in just the way we act and behave even inside the church. In the love that we have for you, from you, and for one another. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.